So welcome back to the Expert Edge. Uh, today's conversation, I think, is going to change your life. I'm interviewing one of my really good friends. His name's Justin Donald. Now, this guy is going to blow you away. Uh, entrepreneur have called him the Warren Buffett of lifestyle investing. This guy literally retired at the age of 37, like completely retired. And then after he retired, he had so many friends saying to him, how on earth did you retire? That he wrote a book. And then that book became a Wall Street number one bestseller. It's called Lifestyle Investor. I've read it. I'm starting to really follow and dive deep into his content. Um, he is just a phenomenal guy. He's one of my really, really close friends now, which is just incredible to have. Uh, but I think he's really going to bless you in terms of showing you what's possible. Because what's amazing is that from his actual investing and retiring himself so young, he decided to really start an expert business, which is what the Expert Edge is all about. And so today's conversation, we unpack how he started his expert business, his philosophy behind it, and then also how he invests and his philosophy behind investing. Because I think that running an expert business, you know, it's, well, I know that running an expert business, very few people are going to sell it, you know, unless you're like maybe like a John Maxwell or a Tony Robbins, like very few people are going to sell the business, right? The goal is to actually make amazing cash flow while you're alive, right? <laughs> while you're younger or youngerish, olderish, whatever it is, right? And then actually investing that money and getting cash flow on it so you can retire on that, so you can have wealth on that, all that sort of stuff. And this guy, he's the real deal. Like he's literally living that. And he has an amazing family, a beautiful family. He's an amazing friend. Uh, so I'm excited to share Justin Donald with you guys. So buckle up. It's going to be a conversation that's going to change your life. And if you know someone after listening to this, you know someone who you go, wow, I think uh, you know, you know a friend or you listen to this and go, wow, this would be amazing. Text this to a friend. I know for me, I just got texted a podcast from another friend the other day and I listened to it that day, right? So if you find this helpful, text it to a friend. That's how the show grows. Really, really appreciate it. Make sure you are following uh, the podcast and uh, let's talk about creating financial freedom and your expert business with Justin Donald. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. All right, Justin Donald, welcome to the Expert Edge, brother. Hey, Colin, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to hang. Hey, mate, I'm excited to uh, have this conversation with a true master of building a lifestyle, both financially and family and friendship and emotionally. Like, there's very few people who I really go, wow, like this person has truly built a lifestyle that I think almost anyone could look up to. And so I'm excited to share you with my audience for those people who have never heard of you before um, for two purposes. One purpose to inspire them of, of uh, what they could create, but secondly, um, to really empower them to be able to create something that you've created if that's what they're in alignment with. So as an intro, I'd love you to share like uh, kind of like a version of, of your or a version of your story, because I know you obviously run an expert business now with a mastermind, high-level mastermind. You've got online courses, 
which we'll explore. But but you didn't start out wanting to run an expert business. You started out doing the thing that you do. So can you unpack your journey and kind of how that unfolded at the start? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, what ended up happening is uh, I, I kind of found myself lost in life and business because I wasn't being as intentional and proactive with like figuring out what I wanted to do with life. And I just got into this reactionary mode where life kind of happened to me. And um, I didn't build the space early on to figure out what I wanted to do with life, like where I wanted to learn and grow and what I wanted to do. And at some point, I just woke up and I was like, man, I am really just kind of in the grind. I don't know, like I didn't envision my life to look like this. I thought it was going to be a little different. I feel like I you know, have this business that owns me, not that I own this business. I, I often say, you know, this is years ago, but like I would say I'm an entrepreneur and I own this business. But deep down, I was like, well, no, the business has really started to own me. You know, I I, I work more than I want to work. And I have all these tasks and responsibilities that don't give me life. They They strip me of energy. Uh, so yeah, more than anything, it was just kind of choosing to have some sort of clarity on what I wanted out of life, what I wanted my life to look like, what I wanted my marriage to look like, what I wanted, you know, at that time I didn't have kids, but, uh, you know, what, what our family would look like and, and, you know, what type of trips, how much work, all of that. I mean, that really was, was the first step was identifying, do I want this life, this, this work life that I just kind of defaulted into, right? This, this was not by design. This was by default. What, and, what were you doing at the time? Tell me like, what was the business you were in and, and kind of where were you at in life? Yeah. So I, I worked with a company called Cutco and uh, I was, you know, when I was younger in the college years, I sold it and that's how I paid for college. And uh, during one of my summers as a college student, I interned and, and ran an office for them. So I kind of moved from salesperson to entrepreneur and uh, really just had a great experience learning how to work with people and, and learning how to motivate and retain people, how to hire, how to, you know, just. So what sort of business was that, Justin? Uh, so that was direct sales. So it's a yeah. line of, of kitchen uh, products, kitchen cutlery, cookware. Yeah just high end, um, very high quality products with a forever guarantee. And so, you know, what ended up happening is I built kind of a business under their business. So my yep. first business was kind of like the majority of a business. I mean, I had an entity, but I remember thinking early on, I'm a business owner when really I was just a sole proprietor. Right. You know, everything fell on me. If I didn't show up, the business would implode. And, but I never really like disconnected those two. Like I always felt like, no, I'm a business owner. But uh, I, I remember reading a book, uh, a Robert Kiyosaki book, Cashflow Quadrant, that basically said, hey, if you can't leave your business for a year and have it maintain or grow in that time, then you don't run a business. You're a sole proprietor. And I was like, man, that that doesn't feel good, but that's totally accurate because I could not walk away. And so that was a big epiphany for me of, I need to create systems 
I need to build this out where this can function without me. If I'm going to stay in this role long-term, I need that. But even short-term, right? Like I need that. And so my business was under the umbrella of Cutco, this first business. Yeah. And they did a lot of the fulfillment. They did all almost all of the fulfillment, which was nice. So there was like a component that they did. And then I handled everything else. Um, but I learned a lot in that. I learned, number one, um, it's nice to get started where not everything falls on you. But number two, it's great to you know get a start with a company that has a great product and with some systems in place. Though maybe they weren't the best systems, there was at least a starting program. And then I was able to refine it from there and build something out that corporately ended up getting used by uh, every manager in the company. And uh, that was really rewarding to see. But even with that early on, I didn't even recognize the value of my own IP, my own systems, my own, you know, just SOPs in general. So I basically gave away my IP for free um, and, and, and really didn't even think about the ramifications or implications of what that would do long-term. So, so what I'm hearing is you kind of started in this entrepreneurial world, you, you, you know, learning, learning through just doing the do and, but you'd got to a point where you, I, I think you were from conversations we've had before, like you were generating okay money and then, but you felt like completely trapped in what you were doing. You were like, I need to create a different type of lifestyle, which is what led you to the whole lifestyle investor philosophy and, and the book and all that sort of stuff. So tell me about that transition and then how you got into the lifestyle investing. Yeah. So what ended up happening, Colin, is I really just had, you know, kind of this aha moment of uh, number one, my wife and I were on opposite schedules. So I had a lot of work in the summers. She was a teacher. So she had summers off, same with winter break. And so it was just totally opposite schedules. And that didn't feel really good. So I, I knew that I needed to do something so that we could, you know, travel together, you know, have, you know, family meals together, do all the stuff that, you know, being a good family man, um, you know, is, is necessary. Right. And, and so I just recognized like, Hey, there's, there's a time and a season for working hard, for grinding, for doing whatever it takes to get the job done. You might put in a lot of hours. You might, um, make a lot of mistakes along the way. Like I, that I'm very thankful for. But I also recognized that this season was going to be just a season and I was going to graduate and not have this type of work, these type of hours, all these responsibilities fall on me when I have a family. So I wanted to figure it out. And so, you know, layer one really was building in the, the systems and the protocol, which removed me now it didn't remove me a hundred percent, but, but really removed me a lot. Um, and, and I was able to find the right people. And, and obviously when you have the right people, you can scale. But the second thing, and this was really the most important thing, is how do I create a lifestyle that doesn't require my time to produce income, right? How do I buy my time back? How do I become a time billionaire, right? Like, I don't need to become <laughs> a billionaire. How do I become a time billionaire? And, uh, and so, you know, when you think about that, like, that's, that's, it's inspiring. It's daunting at the same time. Is it possible? I don't know. Well, I know some people that have done it. So, you know, I guess if they've done it in theory, hypothetically, I should be able to do it. 
So I just decided the best thing to do is to copy people that had a true a, a proven track record and try to emulate them as much as I could and and really utilize their strategy. So yeah, I just had this aha moment one day of, okay, I need to buy assets that produce income. This income needs to be more than what it costs me to live. And if I can do that, that's going to create a pretty epic life. Now, I'm not going to do that overnight. So maybe step one is replacing my wife's income. Uh, and, and by the way, for some people, step one is like, how do I cover my utility bills? How do I cover my car payments? How do I cover my mortgage or rent, right? So it can start small. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, I was like, I, I was on a mission. I'm going to replace my wife's income so she doesn't have to teach. If she wants to keep teaching, she can. She could do it on uh, a substitute basis. She could do it uh, on a volunteer basis. Like there's a lot of ways, but I want to get our schedules aligned. And so I had a friend that was buying mobile home parks. He was in single family homes, talked about how hard it was. Basically, it was just a lot more work than what he thought and a lot less return than he thought. So he sold all his single family homes and bought a mobile home park. And he said, Hey, do you want to come buy, you know, to this mobile home park boot camp with me and we'll learn how to buy them? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, No, that <laughs> sounds horrible. I That's have horrible. no interest in that. Yeah. And so uh I ended up being an investor in it versus um going and doing it. But he gave me these guaranteed 10% returns. And I was like, show me what you're making. And he showed me the the profit and losses and, you know, all the financials. And I was like, holy cow, you're making a lot of money. Like this is you're, you're making more than 10%. You're paying me 10%. You're still making more than 10%. And I was like, shouldn't I just do that? And he's like, yeah, you know, I tried to get you to do this in the first place. So I was like, okay, all right, well, he's got the playbook. I'm just going to literally copy his playbook. Uh, he's a good friend. He's, he helped me out a ton. And that's what I did. I bought my very first park and that single investment replaced my wife's uh, after tax income mm. as a teacher. Mm. And no, uh, I, I know you go, dude, that's so good. I, I know that you go through a lot of this in the book, um, but I, th I feel like this whole philosophy of replacing your income um, is you know people talk about it, but I feel like it, it's a very kind of esoteric conceptual idea, and like very few people understand like what that really looks like. And so I'd love to talk about, um, and I know that you go through the core ten principles in the book in the Lifestyle Investor, which I, which I've read and absolutely love, uh, which was number one Wall Street bestseller. Um, which congrats on that, bro. Uh, <laughs> and Thank you. Um, but but the Talk to me about like, so let's say someone's listening and they're like, hey, I would love to, you said some basic ones, like I'd love to replace my, you know, utility bills, like all the utility bills, right? Let's say I started with that. Like, what's an example of like what people can do? Obviously, it's not advice, but it's like, what are some examples of like what people could do so that, that we can have some tangible um, examples of that? Yeah, great question. I love that question because now we're getting to how-tos and I like the how-tos. So there, there's endless ways to do it. I mean, you can buy deeded property where you own it, you own rentals. You can invest in someone else's syndication, uh, which is just you know a, a deal that someone's doing, a one-off deal or a one-off portfolio 
where money is raised uh, just for that asset or that group of assets. There's a fund, you know, structure where you can invest in many assets. Um, so, you know, the more assets you get, the less risk you have. So any of those could be a scenario. You could buy your own business. Uh, you could buy a business that has the capacity. Well, number one, you could be the owner operator. And if you're putting in the same amount of time as you are somewhere else, but now you're building equity, you're, you're, you're building value. Um, you are able to pay yourself the same or more than you were in, in what you were doing before. I mean, that's a great opportunity or buy a business that has a salary already built in where you can pay an operator. So you don't have to do that. I mean, there's tons of ways to do it. And it, and it depends, you know, does someone have time to commit to it or do they have no time and they're staying in their current profession? So, for people staying in their current profession or trying to put as little time in as possible, I think real estate is a great way to start. There's so like syndications, I know yeah. you've talked about like hard loans, um, you know, like, like all, so things where basically you don't have to have your brain in it, but it's, it's someone that you trust that you've been watching for a while, or you know, kind of the background of it, and then you can invest and then get like a return on that. And, and then you have a clear goal in mind of, okay, I want to hit a thousand a month you know, in the next three months or something like that? Or is that kind of like how you start with people like to get them thinking in their, in their wheelhouse? Yeah. And I actually think the best way to start is figure out what does it cost you to live today? Mm. Like what is your survival income? So not your current lifestyle, just your survival. Like what does it cost you to pay the bills? How much is that per month? Mm. That number is really important. And then what's your lifestyle income? What does it cost you to live your lifestyle as you live it today on a monthly basis? So I think getting clear on those two numbers is really important because I find people all the time will say, oh, I didn't realize I was spending this or, oh, I'm, you know, I, I was double paying this or, you know, and, and they find the holes in their boat that they can plug as they're figuring this out. And, and for some people, it's pretty rewarding to say, oh, I'm spending this much on life, but I can easily cut these things out and still have a really good life. And then when you break it down on a monthly basis, it's just so much more reasonable and realistic. And then you can take it from there into, you know, certain dollar amounts you pay for specific expenses, like we talked about the car payment, the utilities, the mortgage, whatever that is. Uh, and I just think it's creating some sort of uh, positive momentum, right? Like at the end of my podcast on the Lifestyle Investor, I always ask my audience, what's the one step you can take today to move towards financial freedom and move towards, um, you know, a, a life by design, not by default. And and so it's it's that. It's like, how how can you each day get one step closer to that financial security or financial freedom number? Mm. It's so fascinating because obviously I moved from Australia to the US, you know, six or so years ago. And so I've been involved in the US economy now for a little while. And, but I think Australia and US is very similar in terms of like highly consumer based, um, you know, fairly affluent, you know, economic conditions, um, but, but high consumer debt, like high credit card debt, you know, like, like the whole philosophy of how people live is definitely off. Um, what do you see as being, you know, like our audience are they're entrepreneurs, so they're small business owners, they're coaches, course creators, et cetera. They want to build a life where they love doing meaningful work. So they would probably consider themselves to be like solopreneurs a lot of the time. But it's like obviously you can earn quite good money, as you know, from selling courses and running masterminds and stuff. It's not like they're selling widgets. Um, so but 
but in terms of like they all they definitely are very family driven as well like a lot of them have families have kids want to build that sort of stuff how do you move someone from kind of a, a consumer-based pattern of thinking to a a wealth creation pattern of thinking yeah that's that's a great question and that can often be a challenge or a struggle for people because instant gratification is very rewarding. You can experience it in the near term. And so some people really like that dopamine hit of as my income grows, so does my consumption. So that is really hard to train out of someone unless they have a compelling vision for the future that is more compelling than the instant gratification of today, right? So I, I want people to like figure out what, this is why I talk about life by design. What does this killer life look like? What does an epic life for you look like? And the more that you see that as a reality, the easier it is to make the decisions that are maybe harder at first, but it's like a muscle, right? So for me, I started, I remember early on, I had um, friends and advisors uh, and mentors around me, they're like, you just have to save 20% of your income, like 20%, no matter what, you just put it aside. And so early on, I did that. And I remember early on, um, having even like my own struggle around it, like I knew I needed to do it, but I wanted to go buy some clothes or whatever it was, you know, I, I can't even remember all the stuff I wanted to spend money on. Um, but I had, you know, my parents were good at reinforcing that. And um, some other wise people. And so once I got into the habit of it, though, it was really easy. It became normal. It was really just at the beginning. Like, you know, when you're not going to the gym and you start going to the gym, it's easy to not go to the gym because you haven't gone to the gym more than you have gone to the gym, right? <laughs> so so it's, it's literally just flip-flopping it so that that's the thing that you do more than not saving. And then it just grew. So over time, uh, it grew to 30%, 40%, 50%. And for a long stretch of my career, I was saving half of the money I made. And it wasn't that I didn't live today. Like I didn't want to scrimp and not have any lifestyle today. But I think there's a fine balance between let's be responsible for tomorrow and make sure that we're setting ourselves up for an even better life. But then let's make sure that we're having a great life today too. And I, I think you can do both. And I think it's okay, uh, especially if you plan it out and you figure it out to spend within moderation, but then, you know, to save in, in what I think is, in, you know, a comfortable clip. And the better you get at it, the more aggressive you can be. What are your, what are your thoughts on um, income versus, uh, so like income being the problem versus like habits being the problem. The reason why I bring this up is I know for me, when I was earning a certain amount in my business, like I really struggled to save money. But now that we're earning a lot more in our business, like saving money is a lot easier. So the, like the income actually did make a big difference. Um, I, but I would still say that obviously, like you can earn a lot more money and, and spend just as much. Like I totally get that. But I'm also trying to like, I'd love to hear your philosophy on like that journey of you. Cause you know how you said you start off with 20% and then you went into 30% and then, and then, you know, you can't save 50% if you know, you're earning, you know, $10,000 a year. 
um, $20,000 a year and you're living in California. It's like, there obviously is like realistic benchmarks, but what's kind of like, if, if someone is like, maybe they're at that kind of break even point, they're like earning just enough to like live. Um, and, and, do, and yeah, like, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, do you find that learning the skill of generating income is as important as the habits of like keeping the income? Like, how does that work? And that, that been the journey for you? Well, I, I think they're different skill sets. Um, I think that with a compelling vision of the future, people are going to be more creative and more disciplined to creating more income. So, I mean, yeah, the the easiest way to solve for a, a lack of money problem is to make more money. It's to drive revenue, right? So, I mean, that that should be the number one move. And the next is cutting expenses. Um, and, and I, you know, I really think that as you discipline certain areas of your life, it gets easier uh, in other areas. So I, I do understand that at a certain income, things are more challenging, but I also uh, want to throw the challenge out that I think anyone can save 10%. And that 10%, you know, you could be making a small amount or a large amount, um, but 10% is 10%. And, and I think everyone can do that. I think maybe there are some different choices that need to be made there. And again, this is where getting into, you know, what do you value more today or tomorrow comes into play, but it shouldn't always be at an expensive today. It shouldn't be like, I can't do anything today so that I can save for tomorrow. Um, you know, being a miser is going to show up in other areas of life too, right? Like that scarcity mindset will uh, invade other parts of your life that um, you're going to find to not be, you know, in time or maybe right away, not to be very productive or, um, you know, a, a good use of, of, you know, a mindset of how you view the world or how you view business or how you view money. So I think everyone can do it. I think the more you make, the easier in theory it is to save, but I think the muscle is still the same. I mean, if you're talking about saving 50% of your money and you get into the higher numbers, it's still hard to save. Like that's, those are still big dollars on the high end of the scale, right? Like you still need that philosophy, that muscle being built of actually pulling out the amount. And I agree. I think anyone can save or anyone can put aside 10%. Like, like you, because 10% you're spending on random stuff that you're probably buying on Amazon that you don't need. Um, and it's that, yeah, that muscle. Now I'm now you you built an incredible lifestyle through lifestyle investing. And, and I know like one of the first principles in your book is very much around like lifestyle first. You're like, th think about um, you know, always think lifestyle first. And so you built this incredible lifestyle business where you're getting amazing cash flow. And then you had a lot of people asking you, Justin, <laughs> how the heck have you done this? Right. Like you you basically retired yourself. How old were you when you like you could actually retire and just live off the cash flow from your investments? How old were you at that time? Yeah, thirty seven. Um, I had enough to enough passive income to truly just retire and do nothing, uh, and that was at our current lifestyle. You know, hmm. so we hit survival income before that, maybe a year or two before that. So that was lifestyle income at thirty seven. You could literally just retire and not do not do anything. Now, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because I feel like anyone who's reached that point 
or push to that point has a very strong drive for growth. And so they they would hit that point, <laughs> maybe take a month or two off or at the most. And then they're like, okay, what's the next thing? Um, like, cause, cause yes, that's a cool goal to have, but it's also like, once you hit it, there's just that internal drive to like, want to keep contributing. And I know you've really switched to going, how can I just help people to create that? And so talk to us about that journey of like, what happened when you hit that, you started to get some notoriety and I know you wrote the book, the lifestyle investor. Um, and, uh, and wasn't that driven out of someone said like, what if you die and, and your daughter never had this book, right? Was it, what, tell us about that, that journey. Yeah, that I mean, that really is the impetus and foundation of the book. I mean, I had said for a while I wanted to write a book, but more just like in passing, like, hey, it'd be cool to at some point, you know, put it on the dreams list, write a book someday. So it wasn't like really something I was pursuing, uh, but I just had friends over the years just say, hey, you like, I want to learn what you're doing, like, write it down. I, I, I want to read your content. And, you know, it's, it's, you're being selfish, not putting it out there. And so that, but that wasn't enough motivation for me to write it. You know, I, I had many, many good friends over the years say that. And I'm like, yeah, maybe one day, you know? Yeah. And then one of my friends said, well, what if you die and your daughter never gets to learn all these things you've learned? And and that was really it. I was like, oh man, I hadn't thought about it through that lens. I like, that was a wake up call to me because that was information that would not get passed down. And so I started writing the book the next day. Like that, I mean, that was it. That was the leverage needed wow. to get me to start doing it. And I just started, I, and I'm not a writer, so I don't even like, I don't feel like I'm an author. Like I put out a book, but what I just started doing is walking around. I literally was walking around a uh, a lake, uh, talking into my phone, just recording thoughts and you know ideas that I had. Uh, and, and eventually kind of created a book from that. So yeah, that that's really where it came from. And and I'm honored and flattered that so many people are interested in the stuff that I find interesting. I, you know, I didn't know so many people were going to buy it. Um, I had hoped that people would buy it. And I had in my head wrapped my mind around that I probably had a few uh, hundred people in my network that, you know, maybe they'd buy it. And, you know, I had another friend that wrote a book and he never uh, hit 10,000 copies. It was years after he's like, it's really hard to do. And, and so in my head, I was like, okay, well, maybe in my lifetime, if I hit 10,000, so, you know, if I get a few hundred a year, um, that would be pretty cool. And, you know, we sold 10,000, you know, in, in a matter of a day or two or three days of it launching, um, which was cool. And, uh, you know, hitting hitting that number one Wall Street Journal uh, bestseller in USA Today bestseller is really cool. But what I'm more proud of is that the book is now a top one percent of all books ever sold, and um, and all the proceeds of the book go to fighting human trafficking. So uh, because of the book's success, we have donated literally hundreds of thousands of dollars on behalf of these humanitarian efforts uh, all across the globe to help rescue children and. Um, rescue people that uh, are being enslaved and uh, don't even have freedom or free will, like from a life perspective, not financial freedom, like human life freedom. Mm. That's cool. I didn't know that about the the profits of the book. That's really cool, man. Um, one thing that's fascinating, I think, about you is, and uh, I see this happen quite a bit. If if someone's done something 
and done it at a high level. And then they transition into running an expert business. <clears throat> Obviously, they've got to learn it, how the, the game of the business, but it usually gets traction pretty quickly. Like there's something about having a, a true depth of knowledge that when you transition into, hey, I've got a course and it's a course that, you know, I'm going to take you through the steps in how I use mobile home parks to generate $20,000 a month cash flow, you know, within three years. And I've actually done it. <laughs> like it just sells so much easier rather than like just trying to be a teacher, right? Like just actually trying to teach. And so when you, cause I know you, you run a mastermind and, and you weren't even trying to run a mastermind, right? <laughs> like, no. like a lot of people are trying to start masterminds. They're like, I'm trying to launch this mastermind. And you're like, I don't even want to run a mastermind. And, and people are trying to give you money to be in, be in the mastermind. So tell me about like that journey and, and, then, and then how you've kind of formalized it and how that's looked. Yeah, it's a really funny story too. Sometimes it's like, you know, your, your best ideas are inspired when you make decisions that have nothing to do with the financial benefit of it. You know, so uh, after, uh, you know, at 37, I didn't have to work. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to take a year off and, and travel the world with my family and have some fun and figure out what's next. I, I really had no clue what was next, but it was, it was inspiring to figure out what's next, not from the framework of, I need to make a certain amount of money or this business has to be profitable. So like I, most people make all their decisions on their business from like profit being the, the starting point. Can I afford this? Can I not afford this? Is this a, you know, a wise move, right? But let's say you remove that. Let's say money is not an object. Well, then it just opens up so much more creativity. And I think it, you evaluate from a better place. Like, I don't think is this uh, like the, the financial thing, should be the first benchmark of or, or or fulcrum of you making decisions. Like I, whether you can afford it or not, the more important thing is does your business need it, right? So it shouldn't. You you should actually figure out like in order to scale my business, does my business need this? Does this help it? How does it help it? Right? Not financially. If if you can't afford it, then it's how do you how do you afford it? And so I think too many people make decisions from that framework of money being the most important um, criteria. So I didn't want to do that. I cleaned the slate and I said, I'm just going to figure out what's next. And it always drove me crazy uh, talking to people because in today's day and age, everyone is a coach. Everyone's a life coach. Everyone's like, you know, qualified apparently to teach you everything. And uh, that's, you that's know. how I started. I started. I remember my grandma. She said to me because I was a life coach when I first started, and she and she was like, "Colin, what on earth do you know about life?" <laughs> she was so right? funny. And but I mean, she didn't understand what life coaching was. But I but I I totally get like it's it's a growing industry, and especially in the finance space, there that you know like it's like who do I trust, especially in your space as well. But yeah, keep going. Sorry. That's right. Well, and and especially in the financial space. Everyone has, you know, been a genius apparently the last 10 years because the market's hot. So you really can't tell who had good ideas and who didn't because almost everything succeeded and thrived. But the problem is there are so many people out there that are financial experts that actually aren't experts. They don't have any like years in it. Like I just talked to someone, I've talked to many people over the years and, and I'm not going to mention any names. I literally just talked to someone that's like, oh, yeah, I make way more on the education side than I do 
in the actual real estate. And then it was like, okay, well, what do you make there versus what do you make in the real estate? And it was like peanuts on the real estate. Like they hardly made anything. They were a newbie, but they're teaching all these people things that I don't even know if they're, you know, they're certainly not time tested. So that to me, I was like, man, if I'm going to get into anything, I need to make sure that I stay in my lane. I make sure that I just teach the things that I know. And if I don't know it, I bring in experts that are best in class in that space. So that's really, you know, kind of how the mastermind blossomed. But over time with the mobile home parks, we just kept adding them and it just added more passive income. And it got to a point where like originally early in my journey, I had no passive income. And the, and like the goal was like, I need passive income if I'm going to retire or at least walk away from what I'm doing and get to choose how to do life on my terms. But then the new problem was I have a lot of cash flow coming in and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to manage it or like where to even put it. And that's what began my journey with alternative investments. So I've been investing for about 25 years. I've been in alternative investments for about 15 years. And can you explain uh, that that to all the listeners? Yeah, most people, um, you know, most people in in the United States and and probably in the world, you know, in in each of the different countries with their specific public equities, most people invest in the stock market. Uh, Most people invest in in public equities. They have a financial uh, advisor uh, or planner that is handling their money because they've decided to outsource it to someone else. And hopefully that person does a good job. We don't know. There are uh, there are certainly good financial advisors out there. There are certainly way more bad financial advisors than good financial advisors. Uh, but most people just, instead of learning how to do like investing or, or how to manage money, they just decide they don't want to do it. They don't have time for it, even though it's like one of the most important things um, to like setting your life up, setting your retirement up, setting your future up. And and that was always surprising to me, but I found myself in that scenario where I, I was taken advantage of. I uh, was in some high feed products and didn't know it. I was in products that the advisor put me in because they were high commission and he wasn't even in them himself. Um, I had statements from these institutions that said I was making a higher average rate of return than what my actual return was. And I just, I felt totally misled, manipulated, lied to. And I said, I cannot outsource it anymore. I'm going to start doing this myself. So the world of alternative investments is, you know, kind of of the private side. So you've got um, private equity, you've got real estate, you've got private credit, you've got, um, I mean, there, there are tons of other, I mean, we could get into, you know, the weeds on this, but those are the major categories. And so I just learned how to be good uh, across the board. I started, you know, I started with mobile home parks, but then I got into some multifamily, some self-storage, some industrial, some land. I mean, you name it, I've done it in real estate. Um, And then I got into some private credit uh, with some really high returns and some, some good collateral. And then I got into some private equity where I was investing in um, small businesses. Um, I might even buy the whole business or I might buy a franchise. Uh, then I would get into like medium-sized businesses. And so maybe I couldn't buy the whole business. So I'd buy a piece of the business. 
Um, then I started getting into like unique structures. I mean, I certainly got into big businesses and, and becoming a really small position in those. Uh, but you don't have as much influence mm. and you don't have as much say typically. And so then I started getting more creative with my structures and more creative with the terms and figuring out ways that I could get my money back faster to de-risk it or that I could get cash flow, even from a deal that typically wouldn't be a cash flow deal or to de-risk the deal with personal guarantees and collateral. And, um, and by the way, not just collateral to cover it, but maybe it's two or three or four times the collateral of what the amount I have in it is. So in a worst case scenario, I can... Um, at least recoup my capital. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are all things that I figured out and did over time. And I, I've made a ton of mistakes along the way and I've learned a ton of lessons. But today I've done over 300 unique deals or investments and have just uh, a plethora of like stories, experiences, yeah. uh, criteria, um, you know, understanding, and it's been very helpful. I one thing I noticed about through reading your book, through just getting to know you as a friend as well, is that I feel like you are not like you're not like okay, you guys, you've got to do real estate. That's all you got to do, or you've got to do you know stock market, or you've got it. Like you're you're very much principle based, and and when through reading your book, it's very much like you know, you have to, you're helping people, including me to like learn to take full responsibility for your own philosophy in investing. And then sure, you could get some help, but it's like, you need to come in armed and knowing what to look for. And it's very much based around like rules, parameters, guiding principles. And that could be you know, private equity, it could be a syndication, it could be the stock market, but it's like, if you don't have principles in place, then then you're going to probably go wrong on one of those deals. And so it's very much based around principles. Is that is that am I on the right track with like kind of your philosophy and so forth? Yeah, Colin, totally. And you know, when I think about um you know, like my book, the the subtitle of the lifestyle investor is the 10 commandments of cash flow investing for passive income and financial freedom. But what my 10 commandments represent are my 10 investment criteria. And I think everyone should come up with their own investment criteria. Because some people love what they do, and maybe they're not trying to replace their business or their job. Uh, maybe this they, they found it. They're a small, like total minority percentage of, of people that actually love what they do and love exactly how they do it and how much they do it, um, you know, in terms of hours per week. But that's a small percentage of people that fit into that category. But that person probably doesn't need cash flow the same way as someone that wants to transition uh, out of what they're doing, or they don't love it. And I, I also find with some people, it's not even that they um, dislike what they do. It's that they dislike how many hours they're doing it or how much they're doing it. So like, even with a lot of people in our mastermind, we have a lot of like, attorneys, medical professionals. Yeah. So it's not that they don't like what they do, they would just love to do it 20, or 25 or 30 hours a week, not 60, 70, 80 hours a week, right. And so it goes back to, you know, having fun and they have this other passive income, so they don't feel like they have to keep doing it, right? We work on building that for them. So that way they feel like they get to, they, they're choosing to. Mm. And more than anything, it's just good to be in a position of choice. That's so, so good. Um, yeah, like, do, do you have the money to walk away at any time? Because if you do, you're going to make different decisions in how you show up and what you do and how many hours you work and um, the type of work you do. Like, 
you don't have to solve the financial problem to find a career of passion uh, and a career uh, that that is you know where you feel alive, but the money portion of it makes it easier to solve that problem, maybe quicker to solve that problem. Most people don't carve out the time that they would need and be willing to take the risk to transition without it. So I've found if you build that passive income to at least the the survival number on a monthly basis, it makes it real easy to pivot, uh, change schedule, bring new people in. I tell this to entrepreneurs all the time, like you want cash flow coming in because you'll make better decisions in your business. Like you'll hire smarter and better because you don't need that money anymore. The game changes. It totally changes. And I've definitely found that for me as that started to happen is like I'm making different decisions now um, in terms of that space. And and you've been a massive inspiration in our journey. So I I do want to thank you, Justin. I, I, I just, I'm so grateful to be introduced to you and your world and your wife and uh, daughter and stuff. So, um, I've now I've got one more question before uh, before we close. But for those of you who love Ju- Justin's stuff, who want to learn about lifestyle investing, obviously Justin runs you know he runs a high level mastermind. But that's it really is for very specific types of people. Um, but for, there's a lot of people who probably you know who are thinking, hey, I'd love to just even get started with this. And I think one of the first best places is is your your book, right? So go and grab the lifestyle investor. Just go on anywhere. Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, doesn't matter what it is, it'll be there. The Lifestyle Investor, Justin Donald. Um, you've got a podcast as well, uh, Lifestyle Investor. So you run your own podcast. If you love a podcast, listen, uh, go and check that out. And uh, and also you've uh, put together like a strategy session. Do you want to talk to the strategy session, Justin? Yeah. So I think everyone is in a different place in life, uh, financially, goals, dreams, desires. And so we found it really effective to help people take that next step by offering a strategy session where they can figure out, you know, what is next for them? How do they pivot to the next thing? How do they get unstuck? You know, a lot of people I think show up stuck. You know, I my goal is to help people buy their time back and not be a slave to their business or to their job or to um, security uh, or safety or routine, right? I mean, we could go on and on. And by the way, I've been uh, guilty of, of each of those categories. So, um, I, I know it firsthand, but our, our goal is to have products that people can, um, learn from that cost no money, uh, on up to, you know, we have one of the most prestigious and, and, uh, well-recognized masterminds out there and mm-hmm. everything in between. And so some people, maybe it's best for them to get started with blogs and a podcast and it's free. And the book is, you know, uh, a super low, you know, cost barrier to get into, but some people might be ready for like an online course or a masterclass, uh, maybe a mobile home park specific masterclass or, uh, you know, a passive income investing masterclass. So there's a lot of different places, but we'd love to help people on their journey. So if you go to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash strategy, uh, someone from our team will do a live call for free and kind of walk you through some of the options and and some of the things to consider regardless of uh, whether you understand what's next or not, but to help gain clarity, maybe help you make some decisions. Mm, so good. So yeah, definitely we'll put the links to that in the show notes, but lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash strategy. Uh, definitely go and book one of those in uh, to help you get clarity on the next steps, especially if you've been feeling stuck for a while. 
I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who are thinking, man, I've been stuck for a while. I need to get unstuck. And I think that just resonates so much. Uh, imagine it's the end of your life, Justin. You probably think about this quite often, actually, knowing you. Um, imagine it's the end of your life and uh, people are standing around talking about Justin Donald. They're whispering to each other kind of in their own conversations about Justin and, and it's, you know, it's the end of your life. And they're talking about you. What, what would you hope that they would say about you and your life? Yeah, my hope is just that um, they would have a positive uh, experience for, you know, learning and implementing some things that help them have a better quality of life, better relationships, um, just be more intentional with how they want to live. I, my, my goal is just that I can have impact, you know. Um, we have different products that, you know, produce, you know, different amount of revenue for various different businesses. But, um, you know, a lot of that goes to different, you know, <laughs> helping entrepreneurs or, or charitable things, you know, um, we're not in a place where we need any of it, but we want to do right by people, we want to do good work by people. Um, and so the goal is that we can offer far more value than um than the exchange that people would pay for anything that we do mm -hmm. and uh yeah more than anything just to have people feel like they were able to take the next step or they were able to pivot um to a better life like that is what i would want people to say mm. well mate you really live that i know you've inspired me to do it and i'm on my journey uh, and i i absolutely follow your stuff and continue to learn and uh, I'm excited to introduce you to uh, to my audience. So thanks for coming on the Expert Edge, brother. Well, it is such an honor to be here. And and just so your audience knows, I mean, I you know, I haven't had a chance to talk about how awesome you are, but Colin, I have just thoroughly enjoyed our friendship and and you know, getting to know one another. I mean, so much to the point that I I wrote a letter on your behalf, uh, you know, helping you as uh, you know, become a citizen here in the U.S. and I mean, I think the world of you and I hope your audience knows how special and gifted and creative and just incredibly humble you are and how you show up to serve others first and foremost, uh, starting with your family, but most certainly including your audience and, and those in your network. So uh, I just want everyone to know how lucky they are to kind of be in your ecosystem, Colin. I feel blessed to be in your ecosystem, brother. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.